The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me for the show today. I have a really great guest. I'm very excited about this. If you're a regular listener of Unity Online Radio, you might have heard one of his lectures featured on the air on the Celebrate Your Life Hour in May called Holographic Shamanism with Robert Ohado. And if you got a chance to listen to this lecture, it just would have blown the top of your head right off because Robert is just so amazingly smart. And I first met Robert when I was at Hay House and he had just written a fantastic book called Transforming Fate into Destiny that I thought was amazing. And then I was so excited when Robert did a radio show with me at Hay House, which he did for a while. And then he just kind of did his own thing. So he went out and he did his own show called Soul Connections Radio, as well as his own online courses. You can find all of this on his website, ohado.com. And if you're, if you're really looking to, you know, find a teacher and explore some spiritual teachings, you've got to check out Robert. He is a trailblazer in the field of psycho-spirituality, multi-sensory development, and human consciousness. And he's studied with many masters, including Carolyn Mace. And he's highly sought after for his dynamic lectures, his intuitive consultations, and unique astrological expertise. And his work challenges the conventions of the mind-body-spirit paradigms by integrating intuitive perception, archetypes, and life cycles. There's there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> There's a lot to cover with Robert. So I'm so glad you could join me uh, today for the conversation. You know, I don't know where we're going to end up. There's a, a lot to go over, but I'm really happy to introduce Robert to the Unity crowd and turn you guys on to his teaching. So Robert, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Great to reconnect. It's like the old days. Right. <laughs> Getting the band back together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is good. So I'm really happy to have you on my show. And like I, I mentioned, we've been playing your uh, one of your lectures on our mutual friends uh, show who does a show with me here on Unity Online Radio, Liz Dawn, on the Celebrate Your Life Hour. Just really amazing stuff. So I want to introduce the Unity listeners to you if they're not familiar and if they go to your website on ohado.com, you call yourself an intuitive life strategist. And and what does that mean exactly? So how do you work with clients intuitively like that? Yeah. So, um, you know, I have, yeah, I'm a jack of all trades in a lot of ways, but what, what ends up happening is it all integrates into this sort of singular thing that I call intuitive life strategy. So there's this part of me that's sort of psychic intuitive and, you know, picks up on impressions on people and reads energy and also really reads a lot of what happens in someone's psyche in terms of their patterns and what's made them them and, and wired into their psyche from childhood. So I, I read that all intuitively, psychically, uh, you know, and it's, it's the domain of really a lot of times what we cover in psychotherapy or um, psychiatry, we look at, you know, issues of, of cognition and behavior and also patterns. But what, where I go beyond that is in terms of someone's soul. So, you know, when I was in college, I was studying uh, clinical psychology. And at the same time, and this is the early 90s, I was uh, going to the local metaphysical bookstore and reading books on Carl Jung and on Joseph Campbell and mythology and also begin to work with the tool of astrology. And so my approach to astrology back then was pretty much what everyone 
might associate with astrology right now, which is, you know, there's this whole model of planets causing things and uh, there seems to be some sort of timing to this and some sort of chart that you can cast that can reveal um, that timing and also kind of define, you know, what your life path is about. And what happened for me was, as I was studying astrology, studying clinical psychology, studying archetypal psychology, depth psychology, Jungian psychology, and Joseph Campbell's work, a, a new sort of thing started to open up in my consciousness around uh, people, about around us and around what I call is our soul contract, our blueprint of destiny and this, this sort of path our soul has agreed to and a path full of so many things, timing, development, potential, the unfolding of potential, cycles of life. Uh, all that started to come together for me in a singular intuitive skill. And that's what I call being an intuitive life strategist. It's looking at someone from multiple angles of what makes them them, from the most esoteric of soul contracts. And, you know, what's your, what did your soul agree to in this lifetime? And what is the timing of some of that? And what can and can't happen for you? Uh, what is your fate and destiny? As you know, you mentioned, I wrote a book on that. And then also there's the, the, um, this new space that in my work now, I mean, this has been a 20 year journey of, of working with the public now at this stage. We were just both talking about how my book came out 12 years ago, which is crazy to think about. <laughs> even for me. It seems like it was just five. Um, but you know, there, my work continues to evolve and my, my, my skills, my, my skill set and my skills also evolve and they've become so sophisticated and so much more refined over time that I see, you know, when a client comes in, I'm seeing holographically, it's what I call it. It's like seeing every dimensional influence that makes them who they are, but also that participates in their choices, perceptions, and how they create their life and their reality. And there's a lot there. I mean, there's so many things that make us who we are. We're so complex as human beings, as, as these souls having these human journeys. So my work specializes in that. It's well, what makes you you? And and more importantly, too, where do you want to go? You know, there's this new space I've been exploring in people that I call the X factor space. So while we have fate, we have destiny and fate is the hands, the hand, the hand you were dealt when you were born. So we all got, you know, this, this hand dealt to us. And that looks very much like what you're living right now. It's the race you're in, the gender you're in, the body you're in, the culture you're in, uh, you know, maybe the socioeconomic position you were born into with your family, all the patterns that you were born into in your family and in culture and society. And not only that, the, I call it psychic DNA that you inherit from family legacy. It's like those psychic patterns that get transmuted down generation after generation until they're shifted by somebody. All of that is your hand. And that's a lot of that's fate. I mean, none of us can now, you know, look at our family right now and go, well, sorry, I don't like that family. I want a different one. It's already done. So there's a lot of stuff that we're negotiating as part of our journey of life. And it's, you know, I'm not saying anything that we haven't lived, each of us, you know, we all, we're living this, but there's also destiny and destiny is, well, how are you going to play that hand? What are your co-creative options? What is it that your particular allotment of potential offers you? And potential means, you know, we all have this thing called potential. And I love that word. And it's where I, I, I spend a lot of my work and my time is, What's someone's potential? What in someone has the inherent capacity of coming into being? That's what potential is. So my potential, Diane, would be different than yours. We have different allotments, if you will, different options and, and things that can come through us into form, into our lives creatively. And everyone's got a different allotment. So I'm, as an intuitive life strategist, one of the things I'm looking at is what can I do to help you live out the optimal potential for you? 
What is it that you can harness and live out in the world? And that, and I've realized that there's this new emerging space, this X factor space in us as human beings that wasn't always on offer. You've got to get past your childhood conditioning, your sociocultural conditioning, the patterns, the faded patterns that are drivers of choice and perception. And you've got to somehow evolve beyond them before you get to this space of free will, like absolutely co-creative soul-driven choices. And really from there, start creating this life of magic. So that is just in a nutshell, a lot of what I work with. And as you mentioned, you know, one of my favorite intuitive tools that I'm fairly well known for is astrology. And it's just because I approach it from a completely different lens than, you know, this medieval idea of planets causing things to happen, which frankly to me is nonsense. The planets don't cause anything. They just mirror a synchronicity in our lives. And that's something that Carl Jung identified. And he, he himself was someone who studied astrology. It's that, well, the ancients were just looking at the sky and watching the movements of the planets and also looking at life at the same time and watching the movement of life and realizing there's a connection here. There's a synchronistic correlation here and it works. It absolutely works just like a clock. So I look at it from the point of view of astrology and someone's birth chart not being something that defines them, but rather reveals what their potential holds for them, the fate and destiny they're working with in a lifetime. And there's a next factor in that too, because I could be looking at your chart, Diane, and you know, let's say you had a twin and you and your twin have different souls. And so you take that same architecture and that same blueprint and do something different with it than your twin does. I, when I was reading um, children for mothers and they'd bring their twins to me, I, this is where I learned this, that there's a different soul, a different consciousness behind the structure of the chart that activates and animates that chart's potential differently. So, you know, it's, it's a fascinating, you know, job. <laughs> it's a fascinating uh, body of work to be in. I feel like I'm always constantly learning something new. I'm, I'm never done learning in this, this field and it's um, phenomenal for me. It really is fascinating. And the work that you do, I could see where you, you know, growing up, uh, gravitated towards psychology and that's where you were studying or that's what you were studying in college. I mean, do you think that had, you know, life been different that you could be Dr. Robert Ohado psychiatrist? Uh, well, possibly, you know, it's interesting when I reflect back when, as I was studying psychology and it, and so I got, you know, sort of grabbed by the metaphysical sciences and arts pretty quick. I was 19 when I first stumbled into them. And I think by that time I had just declared my major. And what I began to realize as I was progressing through clinical psych was that, you know, psych at that level is a lot of stats and rats. It's a lot of um, cognition, cognitive models, behavioral models, which are very useful in their own way. But it's the study of behavior and not the study of the soul. And so I was also studying the soul at the same time. You know, I was kind of studying both at the same time. And I realized the benefits of both. And, you know, of course, I was doing all this, might I add, to understand my own damage, my own wounds, my own, um, trauma and how to get through that and move into, you know, being a connected and self-possessed, healthy, esteemed human being. So I was working my own stuff out and, uh, it just sort of happened that when I graduated from college, I was at the time was starting to do intuitive work through astrology. And my friends are like, you should just do this for a living. And I realized I, as much as I love academia and I really do, I could just study academia for the rest of my life and be just fine. Uh, I, I, 
I knew I couldn't flourish with what I was here to do on the planet in that lane. And so I left it, you know, I didn't want to do stats and rats anymore. I didn't want to, you know, study that kind of stuff anymore. And I, I started to get so good with my intuitive abilities that what I could accomplish in one hour with someone would take a psychotherapist 10 years because I can go right into the patterns and see like a hologram, what's making someone, you know, behave a certain way or feel compelled a certain way and what they need to do to shift that also, you know, not just, you know, the decoding of their behavior and their patterns, but what, where's the intervention here to something new. And so I, I, you know, I, I was 24 at the time and frankly, way too immature to really get into doing it full time in a way where I, I was, I think qualified to really jump in, but I was getting my feet wet and, you know, beginning to do free work with friends and free work, free work with colleagues. And then I started charging like 20 bucks for, you know, chart reading and this and that here and there. And, and then by the time I hit 32, um, I, I was, you know, pretty well on my way in terms of maturing and just in synchronicity at that time, uh, Carolyn Mace, who is a phenomenal teacher and also, um, world-class intuitive launched my whole career just by, you know, seeing in me the, um, the sharp abilities that I had and saying to her audience, listen, this is someone we need to be you know, paying attention to. And that, that in fact, was what led me to Hay House was, was her kind of saying to life, Hey, there's a, there's a new kid on the block that you guys should probably look at. And that caught the attention of, of Louise Hay. And, and, and the rest was history. The history. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah. And so she was, a, of course, a, a huge mentor to me, certainly in the intuitive side of the arts, because she is such a, a shrewd technician. And I, in my core, I'm a technician. So it kind of melded well in terms of my intuitive abilities, really to getting that quantum leap and, you know, ending up with a five-year waiting list for clients and just things just really took off. And um, nowadays, I, I more teach than do, you know, private work, just because I realize I can have greater impact and teach people really, because everyone has intuition, everyone, I think has a compass in them that guides their, their destiny, if they're willing to listen to its true north. And that's always the challenge, like, how do you listen to what your true north is, and, you know, the voice of truth of that. And uh, even if it maybe deflates your wounded egos, you know, agendas of getting to enough. You know, are you okay with the simple journey of destiny, which is really ultimately service? It's how do we serve each other through our uniqueness, our gifts, our talents, our skills, and our beauty and heart. And so um, I, I just began to, uh, in the last two years, shift more into the teaching space and more out of the private private reading space because there's only one of me. And I, and the readings were getting so sophisticated that every reading felt like its own seminar for someone. So I was like, you know, maybe I should just create courses that track and map this for everybody at one time. And everyone can jump in and listen to their own intuition and, and get in the mix and start to shift their lives. And that's kind of what I do now. Right. And people can find your courses and what you're offering on the website, ohado.com. And I just wanted you to uh, tell us a little bit more about working with Carolyn Mace and how you came in contact with her because she is just such a force. I mean, her books have changed so many people's lives. I mean, I remember when Anatomy of the Spirit came out and just, you know, blew people away in her work with uh, Teresa of Avila and, you know, entering the castle and just she's so, um, you know, oh, I yeah. can't even I'm, describe it. Like, you know. Type. Yeah, she's a titan. To me, she's yes. uh, on her shoulders. I definitely stand. You know, it's. A, I'll give you. Um, I don't think I've ever told this story before publicly, but when I was um, beginning to really get my hooks into uh, the intuitive arts, um, 
and this by this time I was teaching yoga in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. And I was reading a ton of, you know, books and of course came across her book, Anatomy of the Spirit, which is a classic and it's phenomenal and began to follow a lot of her work wherever it was, whether that was through her publisher or through um, her audio companies where she did material, whatever. So I was a voracious student of, of hers for many years. And one day I was in this bookstore when they used to exist in Chicago called Transitions. And I was walking through one of the sections and I saw one of her CD sets. It was a new one on self-esteem and she was in this picture smiling. And I had this voice in my head say, you guys are going to be really good friends one day. And I know when I'm getting a voice, that's my head, me talking to myself, you know, my own thoughts. And I know when it's, uh, you know, the intuitive voice, it's more a third party. <laughs> and I remember just kind of shaking my head and shaking out of it for a minute and going, what did I just hear? What the hell was that? And I looked at the, I looked at her in the, um, on the cover of this, of this CD set. And she seemed so familiar. Her smile, everything just clicked on my soul level. I went, I think that's actually going to happen. I don't know how, but we will be friends someday. And then, it, and then I kind of shook it off. You know, the, 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 the small ego part of me went, Oh, there's no way that's happening. What are you smoking crack? And then I went on with my, you know, my day. And I think I bought that CD set. So I then flash forward, you know, years later, I am asked by sounds true one of her audio production companies that she does a lot of series with to be in a studio audi audience for her in Chicago downtown. And at the time I was a flight attendant, I had a lot of time off and I could sit there for three or four days while they recorded a new series. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can totally do this. So I wrote sounds true back and I said, I'm totally in. So I got in and that's how I met her. And I actually met her and Norm Sheely at the same time, the doctor she trained with to be medically intuitive. And it actually initially was uh, he and I that hit it off. And became really, really good friends and just had it just like seeing someone you knew on a soul level. You know how you have that experience where you see somebody and you're like, oh, I recognize you. Right. And I had that with him. And he invited me to um, St. Louis, I think a few months later for um, a training on medical intuition for free. And I could fly down there because I was a flight attendant. So it wasn't any problem. So I went down there. And that's where me and Carolyn really connected and hit it off. I was kind of like the the student in classic kept cracking jokes and harassing her and she loved it. So luckily, <laughs> so she, uh, her and I, uh, exchanged numbers and she, when we, when I got back to Chicago, I just started hanging out with her. We'd have dinners. I sometimes would do a yoga session with her. And then I started sharing with her some of my work and she, it, I remember I had written this thing on mercury retrograde and sent it to her just as a friend. I sent it to all my friends to help them get through the cycle. And she goes, Robert, this is so good. Can I please send this out on my newsletter? And I was like, are you even kidding me right now? So yeah. And that, that's what literally overnight changed the whole entire trajectory and brought me to where I am now. And, you know, since then we've, I've taught at her Institute, um, over the years we've done various things together. I now have some classes on her website as well. I have my own section over there and she has been a phenomenal force of, um, my life path, you know, just me being and so generous and so kind and, and really allowing someone that she really believed in and could see potential in, you know, uh, take the stage with her and also get on her stage. Well, she's not there. I mean, it's phenomenal what she's um, opened up for me, but that's how we, we met. And uh, you know, and I was also gracious enough to let me evolve my own, my own um, paradigms and my own, for my own work. You know, I think we all arrive at our own healing and medicine through the journey of our work and our own, our own healing. And uh, you know, I differentiated uh, substantially um, out, out of Carolyn's, a lot of Carolyn's work, into my own, which over, you know, the last 10 years has been really fun for me and also just uh, gratifying because it, it's helped so many people now. 
Well, I love hearing that story. And no, I've never heard that. That's why I was curious how you two kind of came together as, you know, the teacher and the student. And and I, I love Carolyn and, and I love her work. And, and you know, she did a, a radio show with me for over a decade. And she's such an interesting uh, kind of mix of she is very kind and you know, when you get to know her, she has a big heart, but then she su- does not suffer fools. And I, I don't know if I, I don't think I've ever told her this, but you know, I would have people call me after her shows. I had a couple people like in tears, yeah. Carolyn yelled at me, you know, or <laughs> I, I didn't expect this, or I wanted a reading and, and, you know, she told me off or, and I was like, oh, you know, but I would never say anything to Carolyn because I loved what she was doing. I'm like, look, that's how she is. You know, she's that, she's that kind of teacher kind of take it or leave it. And, and I'm just wondering if like working with her in like that student, kind of the student teacher relationship in a sense, you know, in the beginning, like, I I guess you have to be tough as well. Like, I guess what I'm saying, if you're going to go toe to toe, you know, with Carolyn Mace and, and teach with her and work with her side by side, like she'd be like, look, keep up or, or I'm leaving you in the dust kind of thing. Right. Well, you know, every teacher has a certain medicine that they offer. And I think that her medicine is that sort of judge, Judy, tough love medicine. And some people that's just not the medicine they like, you know, and I understand that completely. I think why I was such a good fit with her is because I have a flavor of that in myself as well as a teacher. Uh, Obviously I I'm a, I'm dimensionally a little different in terms of my full expression of how I teach and my personality. I'm a little, first of all, I'm a different generation. So, you know, I'll throw in colloquialisms and slang and once in a while I'll drop an F-bomb and this and that because it's just who I am. But I also do have a very direct, I think be just if you're, I think if you're an intuitive generally, you know, being intuitive, part of what it's about is just telling the truth, you know, without a need for a sugar coat on that, because, you know, we don't have time to get cavities. So it's like, let's just tell the truth and let's, because to me, I think when I look at my, my work just as an intuitive, it's very technical. The way I read people, the way I get impressions is super technical. And I know for Carolyn, it's similar. And so there isn't any space in there for fluff. It's just, this is what this does. This is, this is the karmic schemata and this is what we need to do to shift it. And it's very neutral in a way. So sometimes that can, for some people with different sensibilities come off a bit harsh and they want to have someone therapize their stories or stay, you know, in some of the uh, momentum of the stories with them. And that's just not how, you know, she likes to, uh, and prefers to roll. And, um, you know, she's self, she'll admit herself. She doesn't have the personality of a therapist at all. So I think that I have a little bit more of that personality of a therapist, but I also have a flavor of the, let's also keep it real. And because it's, it's actually good medicine. It's, it, it cuts through to your, you know, in your healing really beginning, You can't heal in a lie and you can't heal in, you know, a cozy story. You have to kind of be willing to drop into um, a different place in yourself that, that really is the truth teller of you and say, okay, and and think of it. It's not about worthiness and people mistake like healing is about worthiness. It really actually isn't. Everyone's always worthy. It's a a part of your nature to have what I call soul esteem. You always have worth no matter what. It's really more looking at what's getting in the way of that worth being expressed and that worth nourishing you, that sort of soul esteem inside of you, nourishing you and energizing and activating and empowering every creative step you take in life. So I think sometimes we can get so perfectionist and um, hypersensitive too with our, our journey of healing. 
and pretty conditional about the packages that medicines come in instead of just going, Oh, this is the medicine I, I you know, synchronicities brought this medicine to me is the medicine I need most right now. And sometimes, you know, people do need to go into a place where they beat pillows and, you know, bemoan their childhood. And, um, I think really engage their, their, their victim experiences in life. But I think, something that I know that I, as well as Carolyn really are always very careful about, I, you know, we cannot, if you want to heal, you cannot make victim experiences identity. And that's kind of, a, you know, something in our culture we're taught to do actually. So, you know, people will sit in you know, self-help circles and say, you know, I am, and then they put their victim story um, as a declarative statement about who they are as part of being in that circle. And I've always wondered, you know, what is the therapeutic value of that? There is a value of, of owning your story, but at some point, you know, when the story is so rigidly your identity and, and now your esteem system, that's where it's going to become problematic. And I, I think that, um, you know, after especially just, you know, after thousands of readings myself, you do get to a point with people where you're just like, listen, you don't have time to waste here. And if you want to heal, you know, your guidance itself, your guidance team, your angels have to go through all of these conditions you've put on how you'll hear a message or how you'll get medicine. And it's just better to take the bitter pill sometimes, you know, and right. And heal and just heal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was uh, some of the calls that I would li- well, I would listen to her show all the time just just because I loved it. And and what I liked was that she would, even though she probably had the ability to intuitively give someone information, she would throw it back on them. And I remember one call in particular. I think this was the one woman that was like in tears. I was complaining. Um, she, she said, like, I want a reading, you know, like, like she was a fortune teller or something like that, you know, tell me what's my life purpose. And, and Carolyn just was like, how do I know what your life purpose is, you know, and just kind of read this person to challenge them to just like what you're saying that you have, you have to look within yourself. And I think we all, and I've heard so many other teachers say this too. We all are intuitive. We all know. And and I think a lot of what you do in your work is kind of help people excavate that, right? And yeah. And learn to listen to their intuition. Absolutely. The 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 real question is to go always to go through the back door of your psyche because a lot of times people will say, I'm I don't I'm not I'm lost. I'm not getting any guidance. And that that's never ever true. In my experience, it's never ever true. What's true is you don't want to hear the guidance that you are getting. But rather what I think intuition can better do is position you on how to create the life you want versus ask how is life going to happen at you or to you? How do you happen to life is the bigger question. And so hold, hold that thought one second. We will take a short break and we'll be right back with more with Robert Ohado. Stay close. I'm Diane Ray on unityonlineradio.org. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. We're back with Robert Ohado. And Robert, right before the break, we were talking about you know, getting in, in touch with your intuition and some things that you were feeling. And I just wanted you to finish your thought there. Yeah. So I, th- I really sense that, you know, um, the best approach and the most useful, let me say it that way, the, the most useful approach to developing your intuitive abilities is not from this point of view of I'm, now I have a, you know, a key to certainty. 
and that's going to protect me everywhere I go. None of us are opted out of our lessons and our lessons are always found in the uncertainty of our lives and in the unknown and in these challenges that we enter into. So I think intuition is rather the compass in uncertainty and the the compass of self-connection and self-direction and guidance that says, hey, listen, you're always enough no matter what. These are the optimal steps and choices in this situation if you want to take them. And there's never a perfect choice. There's only optimal ones. That's important to know. And to you know, always love yourself through and be with yourself through every situation. And so I think intuition, while it has some you know predictive facets to it, because clearly, I mean, how do I in December tap into the field and then so accurately assess that there's going to be this event that happens uh, in in the world that shuts down the world? And you know, how how did I do that? Well, I, I'm first of all very skilled at doing that, but everyone can access their own field, their own guidance system, and that's what I really focus on teaching people now. Is like, listen, if we're going to also take that first step toward how do you listen to your intuition? The first thing I'm going to ask you is why don't you want to hear it? And once again, because it will guide you to change something in your life, and change always brings us into the unknown. It's just how potential works. Your everyone's potential is in the unknown part of who they are. It's not in what you know. Because it's already here. So potential right. from potentia, the unknown, like this is from the unknown of what I could do and be in the world. And I haven't done this yet. And that's really where the soul thrives. It's like, oh, I, I want to do the stuff I haven't created yet in a lifetime and, and get engaged in the stuff that is the adventure of why I'm even on the planet and, and, and is about honoring our connections to each other and serving, you know, others potential through what my potential. And it just becomes this big party of potential. But uh, I think people have a lot of misconceptions around what intuitive abilities are, what it means to be multisensory. And so, for example, I'm doing a course this summer on empathy, right? I'm calling it the empathic soul and the love rebel. And I'm doing it because I feel like people that have highly sensitive systems intuitively, uh, psychically, don't understand the nature of their own bandwidth. And that's the key word, bandwidth. Like, you know, if you're highly intuitive or multisensory, that means you actually perceive more bandwidth of information in life. You feel more of life and you, that needs to be managed a certain way or it can collapse you. And you hear a lot of people, at least in my circles, you know, of spirituality and self-help always saying, oh, I'm such an empath, almost as if it's a victim sta state and they can't get out the house without feeling too much. And, you know, there's a truth to being overwhelmed, especially now with all the toxicity and, and stuff in this, the, this, the psychic field of culture. And we need new psychic hygiene, but we need to understand how empathy and multisensory abilities actually work. People think they, they romanticize them as these superpowers, but it really means you're feeling more of life. And when you feel more of life, ideally what that does, and this is why I'm bringing the love rebel into this course, ideally it, 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 it inspires you to take some kind of action to honor more of life as almost like a warrior of, of the sacred, the love rebel. The, you know, rather than I'm so sensitive, get away from me. It's I'm, I'm so sensitive. I've got to move toward you with more love and find a way to help you pivot to the light because I can feel you in the dark and it doesn't feel good. You know, how can we really move with our empathy more in a way that's directional and not like, oh my God, I'm so empathic. I can't survive this life. No one was born to sit around in their house and isolate in, in their high highly empathic bandwidths and not help this world. In fact, if you're the more empathic you are, the more I'd say you're called to do something in the world. And, and that, that is a masculine 
active thing. So it's, it's rebellious in a sense. It's I'm going to change status quo in a way that honors our interconnectedness. Cause I feel that I literally feel that in who I am. That's so, so fascinating. I mean, that's coming up in July, right? The empathic soul yeah. and love rebel yeah. people need to sign up for that. And, you know, I know you've done so much work on yourself around all of this. And if, and if anyone has, hasn't listened to the lecture that I was talking about earlier in the show, the hol- holographic shamanism, I edited that whole thing and I listened to the whole lecture oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I loved it. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. But, but what, what I got from it, you know, there were parts of your story towards the end. I mean, I was almost, I was crying really. Yeah. And listening to you share what you've been through personally and and, and I like what you were saying before about being the empath and how that word's kind of thrown around and, and really being empathic does make you stronger yeah. in a lot of ways. And, you know, June being Pride Month, I just wanted to touch on this a little bit because you've always been open about your experience about, you know, being a, a gay man in the world and, and a teacher. And um, I mean, going through all of those things when you were younger and being so empathic and feeling all those things to that level. I mean, what, how did that inform you to do the work that you're doing now? Like that experience? Yeah. Well, it informed it greatly. I, 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 when I track back to my intuitive abilities and how they developed over stages of time and continue to develop, by the way, I think it's, it's a lifelong um, attunement you go through. But when I was younger, I was always very sensitive in terms of, I felt my environment, you know, greatly. I was, I, I call it, I have an empathic soul. You know, I think people come in with what I call the empathic soul contract. It's you are wired that way on a soul level. You do feel m- people, you feel nature, you feel animals, you feel, you know, you feel the psychic field of life. And it's enormous to to step into that level of feeling things. But I, I came in that way. And so I could feel one, there was something different about me. I couldn't name it until I was probably 16 that I was actually gay. That was the difference. But I could feel people in terms of they, we, the thing about intuition is energy never lies. So so that's why I I know my mother knew I was gay from probably the time I was about four. Uh, And that's around five years old is about when I started to realize I was quote unquote different. And so, you know, she was feeling me and I was feeling that she didn't like what she was feeling about me. So I knew right away growing up and it was a message in the world. I mean, I'm, I'm a child of the seventies. So I'm from a generation where being gay was not cool at all. You know, uh, it's phenomenal where we are now, but that is not where I came from. And back then, you know, you were really afraid you would be abandoned by your parents. Uh, I went, I was brought up Catholic and went to Catholic grade school and high school. So it was very apparent to me that being gay was not okay. And it was also energetically communicated. And I felt that, and what it did was it created this kind of high, high end honing system around, um, feeling environments and people to know whether or not I would be safe with them. So I was always scanning, in other words, and plus I grew up in a very abusive home. I had two alcoholic addict parents and my dad beat the crap out of me. So I was always on top of all this feeling everywhere I went, am I going to, is my life under threat? Is my safety under threat? I was always feeling the field. And now I, I look back and I can see I was doing that I didn't, as, as a five-year-old consciously realize, you know, this is what I'm doing at eight years old. So I'm doing it nine years old, 10 years old until I could start to drive out of my house and get away from my father's beatings or get out of there somehow and was old enough to get away. But I was, I was always feeling people. And I never realized that eventually that skill 
would parlay into a profession of feeling people from a different intentionality, obviously, but feeling them so I could understand their systems in the same way I had to learn to understand mine and this my own family system in terms of its threats to my own life, survival, and certainly massive threats to my esteem. So I think that over time, it just started, you know, we, we kind of joke around uh, amongst ourselves. You hear about this, this term gaydar, where, you know, it's like you, as a gay man or a gay person, you can tell who's gay and who isn't because you can feel them. There's some truth to that. You know, there's some truth that we as gay men from my generation anyway, had developed a sort of multi, a sixth sense on who, and it really was who was safe and who wasn't, who could we maybe connect with safely and who we couldn't. That's what Gator really is. It's like, hey, can I, can, let me feel you for a minute. Are you part of the tribe? Are you, I don't know, are you a redneck? Are you going to, you know, out me? What, what's up? You know, and so we, we started to hone that skill actually to survive. And it's a skill that I think you can, you might already naturally be born with like I was. And then on top of that, you know, you enter into this war zone of life with homophobia and, and addiction and abuse like I did. Or, you know, it just might be as simple that you're wired that way and you, you're, you, you know, that's meant to be part of your destiny and your path and how you feel life. Because if you feel the, the field of life, then you also can feel its suffering, but then you can also then get guided to what you can do to alleviate the suffering, you know, to help it along, to bring more holism and healing to life. So let me tell you, you know, Diane, the, the healing arts and this sort of shamanic realm of walking between worlds as I do, it's not for the faint of heart. Um, I think that's another thing to realize is that it, it's, I've had some brutal initiations to get to, to be who I am and I wouldn't change a thing, but I think I do, I do get a bit irked when I hear the fantasy versions and romanticism of it all. Cause it's not romantic at all. It is gritty. It is um, heartbreaking and it's also healing. It's all of it. And I think that anyone that's looking deeper into themselves and asking deeper questions about their purpose, about their life, and also wanting to perhaps cultivate a more intuitive way to live, this is the territory that comes with that, you know, and it's a beautiful landscape, uh, but it's also going to take everyone that journeys on it into parts of themselves they didn't see coming and also to bury treasure they could have never imagined that they'd open up and you know, integrate into their lives as power and empowerment and esteem and love and connection. So I think, uh, it all, it's all, it's both. And, you know, in terms right. of all of it and my gay, my gay, I, I, I think there's so many reasons I can deduce in terms of why I chose, let's say the, the gay journey in this lifetime as part of my soul's, um, soul contract. And that is one of them, I think, was to come in with such empathy for people and to feel people. Because I, I work with people in a way where I see you like no one else really does, even you. I'm going to see your dark side in a way that you maybe don't have enough esteem to. And I and I don't judge anything in that zone of being an intuitive. I, I can be judgmental just like everybody in other areas. But when I'm in the professional seat of being an intuitive and guide to someone, there really, I can say 100% is never, ever been judgment there. Now step, step me out into the political streets of life. And it's a different story, but in that zone, I, I am clean and I'm clear. And that's what made me a, a very clear intuitive was being able to hold that neutral loving space for anyone unconditionally, you know, and I've seen quite a bit in that space, um, in terms of what we're capable of in the dark and light side of being human. And I've given it all of it love. And I, and I, and I, you know, let that spill into my own self as much as I can, because it's a very nourishing way to see oneself, you know, your dark and your light and still love yourself no matter what. I think it's a lot of the journey, but 
I, I think being gay was a gift that way. It gave me a sense of understanding the, you know, what, what creates the momentum of hate in people, what summons and recruits someone's darker side and nature. Um, and what also opens someone's heart and into love and love and compassion and what real unconditional love's about. It's about un- being unconditional. Like you love someone no matter what. I think we even take our perfectionism to being unconditional and, and do this weird catch 22 with it where it's like, I love you, but, but in there, it's already not, it's already conditional. You've just flipped the switch. So it, it taught me a lot about compassion for sure. Like, you know, how to even have compa- compassion for like the fundamentalist Baptist people that would come to our very first, my very first gay prides in Minneapolis back in the day and pick it with their, you know, hateful signs and, and say hateful things to us. And, and all of us as a tribe, just looking at them with love going, it's a sad thing that that's, that's how you really believe love rolls in this world. It's not love. You know, it's, it's not Jesus. It's not what Jesus came to give us in our hearts. It's not even near. And, right. and you, to know that certainly they are, not what he taught. I, I don't believe he never said anything about that. You know, if he comes back, he's hanging out with the gays, the trans, I mean, <laughs> hanging out with all the other, you know, the outcasts. He's not going to be hanging out with all the judgmental. He, that's it's it's so ironic. That's exactly what he fought against. But you know, it's but at the same time, learning how to to not um, become hateful back. You know, because I could see you can see where what's the operating system they're on, and that's the same one that they bring to their relationship with themselves, and that is sad too. So you know, there's so many gifts in it that that also I think lent a, a, a deep heart a deep deepening of my own heart into my work with people. So I could hold that space for someone to bring to me something like I'm cheating on my wife I'm cheating on my husband. And I, I need to figure out what, what were my compasses here? Why am I doing this? You know, I brought, I have clients that have brought that to, to, you know, my, my readings uh, from, from that to everything. And to be able to not be judgmental, go, let's look at this together. Let's, let's take this journey of what are you trying to wake up to? Why are you doing this? What is this sabotage about? What, you know, instead of looking at it from a judgmental moral place, rather a place of soul. And, um, it's been the biggest being gay and happy pride month, everybody. It's been one of my biggest gifts in this lifetime. I would never change that because it made, it was hugely influential into the man I am and the human being I am. And certainly the healer I am when, when you, in your own nature at five years old, know that this is just a facet of your nature. It's not a choice. I didn't choose to be gay. It's like someone wake up straight one day and go, well, I think I'm going to choose to be straight after all. I mean, since I've got these choices, let me pick straight, you know, no, it's, it's your nature. The only choices made that's made is you you choose to be honest about your nature or not. So I chose to be honest about it at 19 years old. I came out and, you know, ever since then I've always been out, but at the same time, I think this, this brings this question of what is true morality, what is right or wrong. And I had to question that immediately if I was going to have any mooring in esteem, you know, if you're telling me that God was just going to send me to some burning hellful place just because of who I am, it doesn't quite feel right. It didn't feel right. You know, it doesn't mean the shame didn't get in and do its do a number on me. Of course it did. And I think still can. But it, it's rather, I knew something in me deeper, my soul knew that, you know, that is your truth. That is a false truth. And I, I'm not in the end game going to go and live through that truth. A life, right. lie to myself and marry a woman and, you know, do everything you think is okay and, and not be me. That's not, you know, there's a stronger force in me than the shame. And it was my soul. Honestly, I, I think that that is why I survived. I mean, many kids take their own lives because the shame is too strong 
and there's no one there that's a soul sponsor for them that sponsors their soul and says, listen, I will sponsor you so that you can get through this. And I had a teacher in my Catholic grade school of all places that sponsored soul sponsored me and got me through that vulnerable suicidal time that I, I did go through and said, listen, and I was also a really good athlete. I was a, a junior Olympic track athlete in my high school. And, and, you know, one state, like, I think I took first, second at state, my, my freshman year I was breaking records all the time in triple jump. And so I had that going for me and, and people didn't mess with me because I was, I got bigger and stronger than them too, you know, and I was this anomaly and I didn't hang out with the jocks. I hung out with the outcasts still. I, I could have, I, I could never lie. Which is also why I didn't date a lot of girls in high school because I'm like, I'm just going to be lying to you. And I, I just, I've always had a code and it comes with the soul. So intuitive morality and living intuitively in, in that is really making choices that are true. So for example, if someone cheats on someone in a marriage, we could moralistically judge that as wrong. But what might be true is that that's the only way they knew how to act out something in them that is begging for a change in their lives. You know, they didn't have any other way to go. And so they have something to get there. And that's something we all do. So, you know, I think it's a matter of the why that that matters sometimes more than the what. And um, ultimately, it's it's when we get to the why in that territory of the why is where we can really make real change instead of focusing on the what. Um, so, you know, I, I, we can sit around and, and demonize hate, which is a horrible, you know, force in life and destructive one. But if we don't understand the why people hate, well, hate's not going anywhere. It'll just keep popping up and we'll be playing whack-a-mole. So it's, it's you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. I think there's so much in in this territory of of this time and certainly where we all are in life of really being so benefited by understanding these intuitive forces in us in our own multisensory abilities. And that's why um, I also, I, I don't know if I told you, I just started this membership on my website where every, every week I'm going module to module, helping people cultivate their intuition from different angles, whether that's using an astrology cycle or using a, you know, I'm doing a module on power and powerlessness in your life and how to be with that intuitively. But living an intuitive life is where, where it's really rich and you can respond with the optimal choices in any given situation because you're not in right or wrong choice paradigms anymore. You're in the one that brings the optimal medicine and, and potential to each and every moment. And that shifts day to day, you know, let alone year to year, you know, uh, life cycle to life cycle. So yeah, it's interesting <laughs> to be me. It's, it's so interesting. <laughs> well, and, and what you're sharing and what you teach people, you know, the journey that you took to come into full awareness and acceptance of yourself and to be able to stand in your power, you know, regardless of whatever arrows that, that were thrown at you. And then to go through that and be on the other side where you're saying, look, when you're, when you come in fully to that awareness, the life that you can have and, and the riches and the happiness, you know, not just monetarily, but right. you know, in, in every aspect of your life can be huge. And you're really doing yourself a disservice by by not going through that, not facing that, like not going through that initiation, really coming to that awareness right. and knowing of yourself. And that's where I love a lot of the work that you do with the shadow. And I love studying the shadow aspect of people and, and myself, you know, I just, I think it's so interesting to look at that, you know, the, the light and the dark and, and what you were, what you were just describing, you know, the, the hate that's out there, the shadow, that's right. out there and, and learning from it. And I know you, you talk about this a lot in your work. Yeah. And you know, as you're saying that, uh, the thing I'd like to say 
you know, to expand more here is that living intuitively and cultivating intuition is you're really cultivating a way to see life as a whole. And I would say you're, you're learning how to live in the holism of life, meaning that everything's interconnected. Everything is part of, if you will, God, everything, even the dark stuff's part of God. There's not one thing that's not part of the one. The supreme mystical truth is all is one. What's in one is it within the whole. And so, you know, and then coming back to, you know, working with a shadow, you know, Carl Jung speaking, which said, I'd rather be whole than good. Cause he learned after all his mapping of the shadow and his and archetypes, he realized, look, the, the, the greatest, the greatest seat of conscious choice is in an awareness of holism and the holism of the psyche, the holism of life that there is yes, light and dark and every gradient of gray in between or every color of the rainbow in between. And that is holism. It's to live in this understanding that no one's just all good or all bad. It's we're all a mix of lots of things. And, and if you understand all the forces in you that sit at your round table of self and make choices, and most notably the ones that sabotage you, if you let yourself just sit at the table and acknowledge that those forces exist in you, they are there and they do oftentimes reactively choose for you, then you start to free up other choices because the next time the judge in you, the shadow judge in you, or the blamer in you comes online or the victim in you that uses victim, victim consciousness to empower itself. As soon as that force in you comes online or the perfectionist in you, then you can meet and greet it and go, Oh, hi, you're here to manage something in me regarding my safety, security, esteem and survival. But the way you manage it usually sabotages me. So I'm going to lean into some other forces at my round table of self, something like, you know, the lover in me, the person that's, um, you know, spiritually minded in me and kind. I'm going to lean into the, the mystical father and mother in me. I'm going to lean into the compassionate force in me. Then you start making free, free choices out of that. It's not that you don't, we don't experience triggers. You just decide, you decide. And that's the key. You actually have a choice. You've cultivated a choice to choose the light, to choose the thing that's going to bring. And sometimes the light looks different case to case. I mean, if we hadn't gone to war with Hitler and that was violence and that was killing people, then what would have happened? You know, we weren't going to meditate Hitler into, you know, some, you know, namaste state of Samadhi where he would just decide that Jews mattered. You know, he wasn't going to just go away. Oh, so our, the medicine of that particular time, the intuitive choice of that time was war. It was the appropriate medicine for a Hitler. Now, case to case situation is situation life. That choice. That's what I mean by living intuitively. It's the optimal choice of the situation, which can change based on the conditions. And you can't get a read on that. If you're in black or white thinking or black or white perception, you have to be willing to see the holism of a moment, the holism of a person, the holism of yourself, you know, meaning all the things that make that moment what it is karmically, what are all the karmic factors there? You know, so when we look at racism thriving in our country to where, you know, we have cops killing black, black cooperating men, we have to look at what holistically karmically brings that into being. And we, if we're going to bring that up, we have to look at, well, what messages from the top of leadership are actually encouraging, emboldening, emboldening and empowering and recruiting that kind of momentum politically. So, you know, you have to look at things holographically. And, and I know that a lot of times people don't like to bring spirituality and politics together, but I've always said, where better? 
if we're going to do this inner work of becoming more love and love loving and kind people, and I know this as a gay guy, we would not have gotten marriage equality without the political fight. We couldn't just sit there in church and hold hands and pray. We had to get on the streets and fight, especially through the AIDS crisis. So I know that, you know, divorcing politics and spirituality is dangerous. It gives the dark the upper hand. And so, you know, I think that these things, living intuitively, though, to kind of bring this whole circle as a a teaching for everyone, is it is living in the law of holism, which is the supreme law of life and creation. Everything is interconnected. Everything has value. Everything is part of the divine. Everything. We don't just get to pick and choose through our our own sense of what's just or unjust, what is and isn't of God. It's it's a very inconvenient (laughs) mystical truth in a lot of ways, even for me, you know, uh, that everything has value and matters in life in some way. And how can we come to conscious choices that are intuitive and connecting and bring the optimal potential of any given moment forward and birth it? No, you're right. I mean, it's always so amazing to talk with you. I I learn so much, and you just you get get me thinking. I mean, we could just go on for uh, no, hours. that's right. <laughs> just like we did back in the day. <laughs> I know for hours, but I do want to uh, send people to your site, ohado.com, and your course uh, coming up, the masterclass in July, the Empathic Soul and, and love, love rebel. rebel. Yeah. Uh, and just you know keep doing the work that you're doing and making us more aware and challenging people to dig deep and do better as we especially in the times that we're in right now as we move forward we need your teachings more than oh, ever. Right. Yeah. So thank you so much for talking with us today. My pleasure, Diane. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.